0: Do the work as but shall run. There can be no power greater anywhere
1: beneath the sun. Yet what voice on earth is weaker than the people's length of one? But the union makes us strong. Hello, my name is Fortunato Rao. your host of Labour News Radio C H 1610 AM. Voce Latina. One Hour with Useful Information. It is we who plowed the prairies, built the cities where they trade, dug the mines and built
0: the workshops and piles of railroad blade. Now we stand outcast and starving with the wonders we have made, but the union makes us strong.
1: Hi, good evening. My name is Jorge García Orgales and you are listening to Labor News. CHHA 1610. I'm feeling for Lucky Rao. Lucky is taking a break and we are replacing him. Everybody will say and we agree he's irreplaceable, but here we are running Labor News. Uh, we are working with Andy King and John Humphrey to keep this program running and we are very proud that uh, Centro Comunitario. Uh, San Lorenzo invite us every week to share with you some news, some information, some conversations about labor people We working class people uh, this program is about unions but unions as a tool for working class people to change their lives to improve their life. We know that many many workers have no unions, then we try to talk not only about unionized union members, but also people in the working community. We talk about the Steelworkers Union. It's our union. It's the union that we belong. It's the union that we trust. It's the union that we respect and admire. And when we talk about steelworkers, we are not only talking about people working on steel. We are talking about men and women working in many, many industries uh, in Toronto, in Ontario, in Canada, in United States. We have members, as you expect, working on making steel, but we have members in forestry, we have members in healthcare, we have members in university. We have many, many men and women working in many sectors uh, in the economy. We want to start tonight with the bad news for the steel workers in Toronto. Today it was announced that Barrymore Furniture closed. Uh, Barrymore, uh, um, I'm reading from the Toronto Star today, saying Barrymore Furniture Company Limited, an iconic Canadian furniture maker and retailer with history in Toronto, dating back to 1919, has filed for bankruptcy. Leaving a throne of angry, unpaid workers in its wake. The company, which employed more than 50 people and was originally located in a brick factory in Keene Street West before moving to Toronto Design District in Caledonia Road, left some workers owed nearly $50,000 in unpaid severance and benefit, according to union officials. We hear Caroline Egan, the president of the Toronto. Steel Workers Area Council and she said that this show one more than the law against uh, stock against workers because workers are owned in some cases as the article say $50,000 and they will go back at the time of payment many other the bankers uh, many other people will get paid before the people that was every day making the furniture that it was selling uh, by vary more. Uh, once more, the working class, the people working in the factory, in any uh, sector on the economy is the one that carries at the end of the day the painful uh, decision or the painful situation in which the rich people walk away, they made their money, when the company is not working anymore they close. And you that put many, many years of your life uh, in that factory walk away not only with nothing but even less money sold to you and perhaps you will never get paid. In, again, in these cases some workers are own fifty thousand dollars a year salary for many people in this city. Tonight our guest is Chiara Padovani. And we are going to talk about the housing crisis in Toronto and how the tenants are responding. Kiara, good evening. Thank you for being with us tonight. Before we start talking about your Southwestern Tenants Union, your organization, I would like to know a bit more about you. Tell us about you, please.
0: Thank you so much, Jorge, for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Uh, what can I tell you about myself? Well, I grew up in Weston, Mount Dennis, and, and as somebody growing up in Weston, West Mount Dennis to working class parents, both of whom were unionized workers, it made me understand the importance of working together and standing in solidarity with our neighbors. And as Weston, Mount Dennis is one of the communities that left in the city that's considered one of the last affordable communities, last affordable places to live. But we're seeing that kind of be taken away from us. And it's a community with a lot of different inequalities. And growing up in York Southwest and specifically in the neighborhood of Weston Mount Dennis, I I saw those inequalities. And even though, you know, we're in the city, one of the wealthiest cities in the country, in North America, I saw so many inequalities happening in my community. It led me to pursue a career in social work. Um, It also led me to run for city council in 2018 I didn't win back then, um, but I realized that there are other ways that we can make difference and make a change in our communities, which has led me to get involved specifically in York Southwestern tenant struggles and renters and making sure that we can keep this community affordable for us.
1: I understand that you link with the Latin American communities also important. I understand that you live in Ecuador and Argentina. Why you don't tell us about you link with that, with I, our language.
0: Absolutely. So I, I did spend several years in Latin America, specifically in Ecuador, where I was working for women's rights, and in Argentina, where I was working generally for women's rights but also for uh, human rights in general. Um, so I do speak Spanish, hablo español as well. Um, and I think I learned a lot, actually, about community building and about solidarity while I was living in Latin America, and I'm bringing a lot of those lessons learned to some of my activism here in Toronto.
1: Tell us about that. What do you mean you learn some activism in the South? We usually feel here that we are the big boys on the North <laughs> and we can teach a lot of uh, stuff to anybody that need to know. And you are telling us that you learn activism in the South. Tell us about s- that.
0: Well, I learned what international solidarity can look like when I was in Ecuador. Uh, I was working for a women's rights organization there and... It was my first introduction, actually, to feminism when I was in Ecuador. Um, and it was it was interesting to see this particular women's rights organization working with a diverse group of women from all over Ecuador. Ecuador is a very diverse country. And I felt welcomed. I learned a lot about what solidarity between different groups could look like. And when I was in Argentina, um, I, I was impressed by the level of commitment and social movements that were happening in that country. It has um, a history of social uprising and, and social justice movements. Um, and that that level of solidarity, looking out for your neighbors, um, knowing that your neighbor's well-being is connected to your own well-being, even if the, the, the link isn't so direct, uh, was something that was so apparent every day in Argentina, it seemed to me. So... It's something I like to try and always instill in some of the work that I do here is that whether you're a worker, whether you're a woman, whether you are a member of um, a union or not, whether you are uh, queer, whether you are a person of color, there is a system at play that we can all um, benefit from and fight towards making fairer um, and Making sure that we're all getting kind of a piece of the piece of the pie that we deserve.
1: Do you feel that in Toronto in general and your community there is not that kind of link among neighbors, the feeling friends and that kind of thing with people that live with you close to you?
0: I think there is and and there isn't. I think we've become very there's a pressure to become very individualized and look out for your own interests and compete against others but one of the things that you see in communities that have been struggling for a long time is that we're often used to working hard and working together to get the things that our community needs and so i've seen that history in weston and mount dennis as well um and it you know with my own family when my parents or my grandparents immigrated to Toronto from Italy you know my the first thing my grandfather did was join a union because he understood the importance of solidarity amongst workers and that's something that has you know stayed with my family for many years um... so i do believe we we have it i believe we can work towards it some more and that's part of what the work of the york southwest and tenants union is all about
1: let's move to that is your organization tell us about the York Southwestern Tenants Union? What it is? How it started?
0: So we we've started quite recently, although members of the York Southwestern Tenant Union have been working towards um, spreading the word around tenants' rights since 2018. We started quite small, and it was in response to some of the pressures our community was facing with regards to rising rents repairs and um, maintenance and buildings not getting done. And so we, we helped spread the word around tenants' rights in different buildings, helped form tenants' associations because like workers' rights, it's easier to realize them and have them respected when you're standing together with one another. So we are actually now up to 11 tenants' associations that form part of the York Southwest and Tenants' Union. And a number of independent tenants who are either living in rental accommodation that isn't in a building, so maybe um, with independent landlords or in basements, and 11 tenants associations that are in very, you know, high-rise buildings. We We started as a group in 2018, helped some tenants get rent reductions, helped some tenants get repairs done, and... Just last week on February 1st, we held our first tenant summit where we officially founded the York Southwest Tenants Union. It was a very exciting day. Just under 100 people came out um, to become members of the York Southwest Tenant Union. We had workshops, different uh, knowledge sharing and experience sharing amongst different tenants in the area, and that tenant summit actually was um, possible thanks in part to support from the Steelworkers Toronto Area Council the women's committee there so i'd like to thank steelworkers for their solidarity with with renters like me and with the rest of us in York Southwestern because it was in part possible because of your generous solidarity and what we have become now is on the one hand helping to share information so that tenants do know their rights a lot of a lot of tenants get taken advantage of because On the one hand, they they don't know their rights and sometimes just information is enough to protect their rights as renters. But on the other hand, we want to help change the policies that are making the housing crisis possible in Toronto. So on the one hand, we're helping individual tenants and buildings. On the other hand, we're trying to promote system-wide change so that those problems aren't, aren't consistent.
1: Geographically, what are the borders of the George Southwestern uh, Tenants Union.
0: So we are basically located from the north the 401 down to St. Clair and then from the Humber River to the rail the railway just east of Kiel. That's basically the boundary it correlates to the political riding of York Southwestern. Um and the reason again is because we one, we live there, but we've been feeling immense pressures from the housing market in this community that has otherwise remained one of the most affordable places for low and moderate income to people to live. Um, but we're seeing these these pressures really take a hold on, on York Southwestern.
1: We will be talking later also about the relationship of the tenants, uh, the tenants, the tenants' need, the housing crisis, and how... The city council uh, is helping or not helping the tenants. But now, let's take a break. You are listening to Labor News, CHHA 1610. In your car, at home, at work, or wherever you are in from, C-H-H-A. 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 CHHA 1610 AM, Radio Voces Latinas.
0: The Caravan of Hope continues to merge its journey to Latin America, giving solidarity to those in need. To make a donation and to find out how we make our solidarity a reality, visit caravanofhope.net. Caravan of Hope Global Aid. Working and helping others. Today, tomorrow, and always.
1: The San Lorenzo Church invites you to be a part of the Holy Mass at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. every Sunday, located at 2981 Dufferin Street, one light south of Dufferin in Lawrence. Listen live to our afternoon Mass at 1 p.m. through CHHA, 1610 a.m.
0: For confessions or pastoral meetings, call 416-782-2953.
1: Welcome back to Labor News, CHHA 1610 AM on your dial. My name is Jorge Garcia. I'm feeling for Lucky Rao, who is taking a break from the program. Before we continue our conversation with Chiara Padovoni, let's say, let's mention other programs in non-Spanish in the radio. La Bella Italia is an Italian music program Monday to Friday from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m., and Sundays from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Music and Medicine is an English-spoken word and music program on Tuesday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Orana is an English-spoken word program on Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Radio Natin is a Tagalog-spoken word program on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Labor News, you are listening to it right now, is an English-spoken word program on Thursdays from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Mr. Beast Bounce is an English-spoken word and music program on Friday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. WhatsApp Toronto is an English-spoken word and music program on Saturday and Sunday from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Mediation Station is an English-spoken word program on Sundays from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Now, Chiara, back to our conversation about tenants' rights. Uh, you were saying that the tenants' union that you are part of also have internally other tenants' organization. Can you explain that to me a bit? I get a bit confused on how many organizations we are talking about
0: sure absolutely so membership of the york Southwestern tenants union uh... you can affiliate or become a member it's for free as an individual tenant and you can also become a member as a tenants association if you live in a larger building and so the york Southwestern tenants union is a network of different tenants associations and different tenant activists uh... we have eleven buildings that are represented through tenants associations and then we have a number of tenants who have affiliated individually, either because they live in a basement apartment or a single-unit kind of apartment that doesn't have lots of people in the same area or share the same landlord, and then we have buildings that have all share the same landlord, and so they formed a tenants' association that have then affiliated with York Southwestern Tenants.
1: Now then, the York Southwestern Tenants' Union is a network of a group of tenants' association and individual tenants how about outside of that area? Do we have more tenants association in Toronto?
0: Absolutely. There there are numerous tenants associations in buildings all over Toronto. The York Southwestern Tenant Union focuses on on building the capacity of some of the tenants associations in our area and building the capacity of individual tenants to advocate for themselves and know their rights. But there are Many many tenants associations and many tenants organizations all throughout the city and province, and um, that are all really working towards making sure tenants know their rights and trying to resist the housing crisis that we're facing in Toronto.
1: Now, that's important what you just mentioned because for me is you won't have you don't need tenants association if the housing situation was more or less okay. And as you say, many people say there is a housing crisis in Toronto. You just used that term, housing crisis. Can you tell us a bit more? What do you call why it is a housing crisis in Toronto?
0: The cost of housing, especially for renters, is increasing at a rate that our wages just simply can't catch up with. I tell people all the time, you know, I wish my wage went up as fast as my rent because I would be, I would be doing okay. Uh, but the reality is, is that the cost of housing and keeping a roof over your head in the city and province is just simply getting so out of hand that so many people are having a tough time keeping a roof over their head and paying the rent. And as a result of that, we're seeing people who are much more willing to to organize into tenants associations which is why the york southwest tenants union has been formed but also um we see we see tenants uh getting tired you know it's it's exhausting to try to always convince your landlord to fix something that needs to be done in your in your unit or to you know you know another day that the elevator isn't working and so we're seeing that people People one are standing up for their rights to a dignified place to call home, um, but two are under constant pressure by a market that is charging them far too much, and for to be honest, in substandard conditions for a lot of people, because to find a decent apartment in this city is just is just way too expensive
1: i I listen to you and I wonder because you cannot walk in Toronto without finding a construction site. You cannot take a bus or drive a car without seeing huge cranes, without having to take detours, having to be stopped. And every place that you go, you see new buildings, a huge amount of towers. People that have been living in Toronto like me for a long time, or you that grew up here, You don't remember Toronto as a tower city. Today you are around downtown Toronto and there is towers and towers and towers. Mm -hmm. Then I listen to you and I'm wondering, if we have so many buildings, if we have so many new buildings, why there is a housing crisis? You are saying people don't find places to live and there is increased amounts of buildings. How Mm -hmm. do you kind of... How do you reconcile those two
0: things? Absolutely. It's a good question. And the, the bottom line is that even though we're seeing more buildings constructed, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're being constructed for affordable places to live. Just because we see a housing market that is booming in a lot of ways in terms of the profitability of building new buildings doesn't necessarily mean that it's accessible for folks like me or working class people who are trying to find a place to live and it goes down it gets down to how is our housing system how is our housing system working and the reality is is that our housing system is based on a market economy and that means that we're we're seeing these buildings go up because they're profitable not because people can live in them we're seeing more and more towers being built and more and more development because it's a very profitable business but it isn't necessarily being built so that people can live in them
1: but I don't understand how is profitable if people cannot live there because if I build a, bin, uh, if I build a building is to sell it or to rent it and if people cannot buy it or cannot rent it how is profitable? There is a contradiction there that I don't understand.
0: And the, the contradiction is because global real estate, for example, is now worth three times the world's GDP. It is really big business to build. Oh, stop there. <laughs>
1: Try to explain it to me because okay. <laughs> it sounds a difficult thing. You say global...
0: Real estate.
1: That means all the houses that are for sale all around the world. Yeah. That's the global real estate. Yep. Good. Continue
0: is valued at three times more the world's GDP. So the gross domestic po- product of every single country, the value of goods and services produced by every single country in the world, the real estate market is now valued three times more than that. And the reason is because we're seeing housing used as an investment, as an economy, as a way of storing money away and making lots of money off of it as opposed to building housing for people to live in.
1: That means people that have money, we buy apartments, we build buildings just to invest the money that they have and instead of keeping it in the bank. Okay, what happened with the building is built? It's empty?
0: Sometimes it's empty, sometimes it's not. Um, But one of the ways to curb there are many, th- actually, there are many ways to curb global real estate market um, as the, fi- it's called the financialization of housing. That sounds really complicated, but basically it's using the housing market to make money as opposed to you seeing housing as something that people need as a human right.
1: I know, and you just mentioned human right. That is where I want to go. I he- hear a debate as housing is a commodity. Mm-hmm. A commodity, something that can be buy and sell, and depends we have money, who has money can buy it or sell it. That's a commodity, like a car, like lettuce in the supermarket. Then housing as a commodity versus other people talking about housing as a human right. Can you talk a bit about that? Can you? Tell us the difference and the two positions and where they are confronting each
0: other. Absolutely. So right now we see housing in Toronto being seen primarily as a commodity. We're seeing it being used to make money, sold for profit, uh, invested in for profit. And this is what we, when we talk about housing as a commodity, in the market system that's what that is it's when it's being when its sole purpose is to make money housing as a human right, on the other hand looks at housing first and foremost as a social good what is what is the use for people it looks as housing as homes as a roof over people's head it brings people back into it that's why it's a human right, necessary for people to live
1: that means the same that we need air to breathe, the same that we need water to drink, the same that we need food to eat. The people that defend housing as a human right think that people have, should have a housing as a, the right. That's right. Now, that means I have the right to have a a mention in (laughs) Rothdale?
0: No, unfortunately that doesn't, that's not exactly what housing as a human right means. Um, Man. (laughs) Don't we all wish that, eh? I wish I could afford that. (laughs) What it means is that everybody should have access to adequate housing, which means when you take the approach that housing is a human right, government should be stepping in to make sure everybody can access an affordable place to live within their reach.
1: Chiara, we will continue talking in a second. We are taking another short break. You are listening to Labor News on CHAA Radio 1610 AM. In your car, at home, at work, or wherever you're tuning from, CHAA 1610 AM, Radio Voces Latinas.
0: Radio Voces Latinas.
1: From Toronto, Canada, CHHA 1610 AM, the voice of our community, because we are a part of your daily life.
0: Listen to us all around the world. Visit chha1610am.ca for new content daily.
1: Hello again. This is Jorge Garcia Orgales on Labor News on CHAA, Radio 1610 AM. We know that there is power in number. We need the labor movement to grow, the steelworkers to grow. Steelworkers are ready to be your union. To talk to a steelworker union organizer, call 416-977-4066 or 416-977-7274. Tell them that we send you. Also, check out the Toronto Council website at www.uswtac.org. And friend us on Facebook. Podcasts of these shows are also available for download on iTunes. Just search for Labour News. Remember, this is Canada. It's Labour with and you. Tonight, we are talking with Chiara Padovani. And again, we are talking about the housing crisis in Toronto. Chiara, before we move to kind of more of the problems that people have, in case that somebody is listening to the program and wondering, what can I do? Can you tell us a bit what resources are available out there for tenants that have problems?
0: Absolutely. So if you live in York Southwestern, the York Southwestern Tenants Union can be contacted at YSW Tenants at gmail.com or you can reach us by phone at 647-917-4111. And if you live outside of York Southwest, and there are many organizations that can help you. I would recommend the Federation of Metro Tenants Associations. They are um a phenomenal resource for tenants all over the city and there they have a tenant hotline that you can call. It's 416-921- Nine four nine four, or you can visit them on their website at torontotenants.org.
1: Thank you, Chiara. Uh, let's talk about the problems that tenants usually have. And I know talking with you, they're, they're kind, kind of encompassing four issues. and uh, Lack of rent control, about guideline rent inc- increases, evictions and renovations, and repair and maintenance. Let's talk a bit about each one of them in order. Lack of rent control. Can you tell us what is that? And also, since you are there, can you talk to us about what for government is doing about this?
0: Absolutely. So rent control, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the most important things to guarantee that tenants' rights can be respected. And rent control in Ontario is every year your landlord is allowed to increase your rent only a certain percentage. And that's has to. it's calculated by the province. It has to do with um, inflation and keeping up with the cost of goods and services. This year, the guideline is
1: 2.2%. Let's, let's clarify that for our audience. That means if I'm renting an apartment and it's time for my rent increase, the rent increase cannot be higher than 2.2% of the rent that I was paying before.
0: That's right. Okay. And rent contr- what rent control means is that those all tenants would be protected by that guideline. It also means that your landlord can only increase your rent once a year, and you can't experience more than one rent increase in a year. Uh, and you have to be given a certain... Um, amount of notice before your rent can go up. That's what rent control is.
1: And I, I think it's important, you just say, is inflation. And is your salary usually, not always, but usually go up by inflation, that means your rent should be more or less the same. Because if it goes more than your increase on your salary, that means you will be losing money every year because you will have to pay more in your rent, that what you are getting in your salary increase. That's right. Then it's reasonable to have rent control, I think.
0: That's, well, unfortunately, many of the tenants uh, that we work with don't necessarily have cost of living increases in their wages, maybe making minimum wage and have been making minimum wage for a long time. So even those 2.2% increases end up being your housing goes up a, a, much faster than your wage. But that said, rent control is something that most tenants in Ontario are protected by. What the conservative provincial government did under Doug Ford was they removed rent control protections from tenants who are on, in new units that were built after November 15, 2018 which means any of the new buildings or new units that are being built, so all of those towers that you were talking about earlier, Jorge, about all of the cranes we're seeing in the sky, all of these buildings that are going up, none of those buildings or the apartments in those buildings are going to be protected by rent control under the current legislation. What that means is that the landlord, the owners of those buildings, of those units can increase your rent as much as they want and now that in a housing crisis is really bad news for tenants because when we see the market setting the rents they're completely unaffordable most people in the making the medium wage in Toronto cannot afford to keep a roof over their heads without spending far more than half of their income on housing
1: but again i'm renting an apartment built after November 2018, I'm paying $2,500, and the landlord comes and say, okay, starting next month, you have to pay $3,000. That's right. And I have no recourse. I cannot do anything.
0: I wouldn't say that you can't do anything. I would say that what your... We land- can organize. Exactly. <laughs> I would say what your landlord is asking you isn't illegal. And again, that goes back to the legislation change um, of the Residential Tenancies Act. That's the law that governs relations between landlords and tenants. Doug Ford made an amendment to that law that ended rent control on new buildings. What can you do? Well, I have an example of one of the tenants associations in York Southwest and Tenants Union. Um, they were one of the first buildings to actually feel the impact of removing rent control and what that meant for this building because they were they were built just after or people were moving in just after November 2018. And this is 22 John Streets uh, in Weston. And the tenants of this building were receiving rent increase notices as high as 25% from their landlord. So when you said... If you're paying 2500 now and you want to increase your rent and, and your landlord says next, next month, you got to start paying 3000 that's exactly what the tenants in 22 John were facing. They, um, they were getting these note, rent, notices of rent increases that were so high. Um, and what did they do? They formed a tenants union. They formed a tenants association in their building. They got together and stood in solidarity with one another. They received um, some media publicity about how outrageous these rent increases were and the real harmful effects of eliminating rent control that that has on people's lives. Many people were afraid of losing their homes. And that's what, when you eliminate rent control, what you're doing is you're putting renters in constant fear of losing their home. There's no security of, of housing. It goes completely out the window because any year your landlord can decide to increase your rent so high that it becomes what's known as an economic eviction.
1: What happened with 22 John Street?
0: So with the Tenants Association in 22 John Street, they are still fighting their landlord to have a guideline increase of 2.2%, but they were able to bring down that rent increase from as high as 25% down to between 6 and 7% so they they won quite a bit of quite a large reduction. We're still fighting with um in solidarity with the tenants in twenty two John Street to make sure that that rent increase is the guideline, which is the fair rent increase. Anything above two point two percent is not a fair rent increase.
1: Moving exactly to that. That's the second problem that a lot of people talk about about guidelines, rent increases. That's what you're talking about.
0: That's what I'm talking about. So, for buildings that are actually protected by rent control, your landlord can still increase your is still legally allowed to increase your rent above the guideline if they apply for something known as an above guideline rent increase. That's some people call them AGIs, some people call them Aggies, but they stand for above guideline rent increases. Now, it's important for tenants to know that if they receive a notice from their landlord of an above guideline rent increase. Their landlord has to apply. Your landlord can't just decide, I'm going to give you an above-guideline rent increase and here's your notice. They have to apply at the Landlord and Tenant Board um, to get permission from the Landlord and Tenant Board to increase your rent above the guideline. This is because of a loophole, what I believe is a loophole, in the Residential Tenancies Act. Again, that's the law that governs the relationship between landlords and tenants. And there's a loophole in that law that says your landlord can use AGI's above guideline rent increases to pay for capital repairs on their building. So if they've fixed, usually it's they're fixing or renovating balconies or underground parking and they spend money to do that and then they pass on the costs to the tenants. As far the position of the York Southwestern Tenants Union is that that shouldn't be allowed. Maintaining a building doing those kinds of repairs is part of the cost of getting into the business of being a landlord. So any kind of repairs and maintenance issues should strictly fall on the landlord's shoulders and should be factored into their business plan. If I'm buying an older building, I better factor in that it's going to cost more money to repair it, as opposed to downloading those costs onto the tenants.
1: But if I am a landlord... I'm I'm buying an old building, I know that I have to pay for repairs, then I will charge higher rents because I know that I need to have the extra money to pay for the repair. That means the tenants are paying before or after, but in any way the tenants are paying for the repairs, except that you have been living in the building for 20 years. But you are getting there. Then... I assume that if I'm running the building as a business and I know that I have to pay for repairs, I will charge you more to the tenant just to keep the extra money in case that I need to make repairs. And then I'm not sure that i see seen your logic because the tenants can pay after or before, but the tenants will be paying.
0: Well, and, this, and so this is the problem. The tenants pay their rents. We can't forget that every tenant in every building pays their rent. And that's, you know, a payment for living in an apartment building. Included in that rent before any additional increases is the cost that are associated with running a building and the operational and repairs and maintenance that are associated with being a landlord in someone's rent. If a landlord wants to increase the rents above the guideline as the as the rta the residential tenancies act stands right now they're allowed to do that our position is it is a landlord's responsibility without having to increase rents above the guideline to maintain a building in a state of decent repair
1: how easy is for the landlord to get permission to increase the rents over guidelines above guidelines
0: well when tenants Don't fight it. It's very easy. In fact, if a landlord applies and nobody shows up to object it, they get it right away. They get approved right away. However, when tenants do organize, and we've had several successful tenants associations successfully reduce an above-guideline rent increase um, in York Southwestern, and when tenants organize a tenants association, they can apply for something known as the Tenant Defense Fund, and that's um, a fund that tenants can apply for. It gives you about $1,000 to help, the, help cover the cost of legal fees, of getting some legal representation to fight an above-guideline rent increase. And every time, in our experience, that tenants have gotten together to fight an above-guideline rent increase, those rent increases have been reduced by several percent.
1: Now, how do I know that my landlord is applying for this above-guideline rent increase?
0: You should get a notice from your landlord um, either as a piece of mail or perhaps under your door that states that they're applying for an above guideline rent increase. And then you will get another notification from the landlord and tenant board about when the hearing will be.
1: Uh, that means the board will also inform me because the tenant could forget. To tell me that he's applying and I could discover a bit too late that that hearing happens and I didn't say nothing because I didn't know that somebody was talking about increasing my rent. Right.
0: The, your landlord is legally required to advise you but also the landlord and tenant board will notify tenants if if their landlord doesn't.
1: Let's talk about quickly about evictions and renovation how often that happened and why?
0: Right now, rent evictions and evictions are happening because, again, the law and the housing market incentivizes, gives landlords incentives to kick people out of their units. And the reason why is because once you kick someone out of their unit, your landlord or the landlord can double the rent. There is nothing in the RTA, the Residential Tenancies Act, that talks about something called vacancy control. And so vacancy control isn't even in my opinion, better form of rent control where it's attached to the unit. So landlords wouldn't be allowed to hike up the rent double or triple what a previous tenant was paying. They would have to keep their rent increase within a, a limit when a new tenant enters a building.
1: Kiara hold it there. We are going to a break. I will ask you when we come back, can a landlord evict me just because? But let's go to a break first.
0: No, you are listening to CHHA 1610 AM, Radio Voces Latinas. Located at 22 Wenderley Drive, Toronto, Ontario, M6B 2 and 9. Contact 416-785-0680. Website www.sanlorenzo.ca.
1: Ciao, sono Mario Marasco, conduttore del programma italiano La Bella Italia. Sono trascorsi oltre 12 anni Voce Latina. 16:10 a.m. i programmi inizieranno il primo di gennaio 2018 da lunedì a venerdì dalle 10 alle 11 pomeridiane, mentre la domenica l'orario resta invariato dalle 9 alle 10 pomeridiane. Auguri e buone feste da Mario Marasco, La Bella Italia, Voce Latina e buon anno a tutti.
0: Radio Voces Latinas, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at C-H-H-A, 1610 AM. CHHA 1610 AM radio is now 24 hours on the air. C H H A. Listen to more Latin voices and be with us during late nights. late nights. Late nights. Call us to play your favorite tunes or leave us a message at C H H A 416-785-0680. 416-785-0680.
1: Welcome back to Labor News. Tonight we're talking with Chiara Padovani about tenants' rights and housing crisis in Toronto. Before the break, I was asking you, Chiara, can my landlord evict me just because?
0: The answer to that question is no. And in fact, the eviction process is a long process. Just because your landlord asks you to leave or even hands you an eviction notice, it could be an N4, it could be a form that looks N13, N12, something that starts with N. Just because you get one of those forms doesn't mean you have to leave. In order for you to be evicted, the landlord and tenant board has to make a ruling that you are evicted, and that takes time. Oftentimes what happens, though, is that landlords may hand out those eviction notices in hopes that a tenant will leave voluntarily. When you receive a notice like that, you do not need to vacate your unit. You only need to vacate your unit if the landlord and tenant board orders an eviction order. That said, if you receive an eviction notice, I would recommend getting in contact with CIRA, the Center for Equal Rights and Accommodation. Their number is 416-944-0087, or you can check them out on their website at equalityrights.org. There's a whole process when it comes to evictions, and you do not need to leave unless your landlord has applied for the eviction, has been given approval by the Landlord and Tenant Board, And even then, there are other remedies that can make you stay in your unit. So I would recommend that if you do get an eviction notice, educate yourself. Contact CIRA because they can help, and they have an evictions prevention program. Um, but, But know that just because your landlord says you need to move out doesn't mean you legally have to move out.
1: In the meantime that I'm fighting the eviction, do I have to pay rent?
0: Yes, continue to pay rent because when you stop paying rent, that is reason to evict you, according to the RTA.
1: Now, the last issue that I hear tenants have is the repair and maintenance of their rental unit. Can you talk about that a bit?
0: Sure, so uh, repairs and maintenance, whether it's a leak in your ceiling, whether it's a, you know, the elevators aren't working, whether it's a pest problem, your landlord is legally required to uphold and maintain your apartment building and if you are if you are suffering from any kind of maintenance issue or that is not being you know uh, addressed by your landlord the first thing i would recommend is get everything in writing so you need to ident- you need to contact your landlord about the problem be it an email or a letter but keep a copy of that that to yourself if the repair still doesn't get done contact 311 that's the city and they will send um, a building enforcement Uh, officer to your building or to your unit to see what exactly is the repair and how long it hasn't been done for and then they'll send an order to your landlord if that still doesn't actually get repaired there are other ways that the uh, you can you can submit a form to the LTB but all those things will require evidence and proof so I always tell tenants keep a paper trail if you are going without heat or water in your unit that is illegal And so you should definitely contact the city right away to make sure that you get those services cut back, put back on. Um, But I would say, Jorge, whether it's repairs, whether it's a rent increase, whether it's an AGI or um, any issue that's going on in your building, I always recommend tenants forming tenants associations because you are much, much stronger when you're working together with the other tenants in your building. It's less intimidating when you have a tenant's association to contact your landlord. Um, And you do, you will get and see better results when you're working together with your neighbors.
1: We are close to the end. Last question to you. What is the City Council doing about the housing crisis in Toronto?
0: So City Council is doing some some things. I would um, one of the things that city council is, is looking at is a vacancy tax on on vacant units. So when we talked about buildings going up just for the sake of making money um, one way to regulate that and to curb it so that homes are, are built so that people can live in as opposed to just make money is a vacancy tax or an empty homes tax. And that's a tax that will tax property owners who are keeping their units empty on purpose just as as a way to invest money um i fully support that tax it was a long time coming and a lot of people fought for that tax um in the city and so i would i'm hoping that city council passes that in their next budget if this it's coming up this week um but on the other hand some of the things that city council has been ignoring that they really really do need to step up with is number one addressing the issue of the definition of affordable housing. Right now the city is operating on a definition that is market-based as opposed to human rights-based. A market-based definition which is, according to the city, a hundred percent of average market rent, means that they're placing the importance of defining what affordable is on the market. And when we know we're in a housing crisis, the market is the problem, and the market needs to be regulated. So we can't define what affordable housing looks like by the market. We need to define affordable housing by one's income, and that's what housing as a human right means. It means universally affordable housing, according to the United Nations countries all over the world, shouldn't be taking up more than 30% of your income, and that's the definition I would push the city to use for affordable housing. Um, In addition to that, the city must be regulating housing development so that one, more affordable housing is being built, but number two, that the affordable ho- that the housing that is being built with the support of public money, public tax dollars, must be rent controlled. So when we see all of those buildings, Jorge downtown with cranes being built and we see this big housing market boom and lots of things are being built they're being built because it's profitable and it's up to city council to regulate that and making sure that some of those profits go back into the communities, but also that some of those profits are going back into building affordable housing that is rent controlled.
1: Chiara, thank you for coming and joining us. A lot of information. I'm sure that people are learning quite a bit from this interview. Uh, If they want to know more about the George Southwestern, Tenants Union, you have a Facebook and they can find you at your Southwestern Tenant. Also in Twitter at YSW Tenants. And you also told us of a phone number 647 917 4111. I think you mentioned a website too, I forgot about
0: York Southwest Tenants is putting together their website, but you can um, find more information about York Southwest Tenants on my website, which is Chiara C H I A R A, Padovani P A D O V A N I, dot C A.
1: Thank you again, Chiara. Thank you, our, our audience, for listening in. Thank you, Greg, for helping us every night. Thank you, the Community Center, for being our guest. As we tell you earlier, the Steelworkers are looking for members all the time. We want to be your union. If you need an organizer from the Steelworkers, please call 416-977-4066 or call 416 977 7274 We have podcasts of these shows and they are available for download in iTunes just search for labor news labor again with and you thank you very much good night see you next week To the workers' blood shall run There can be no power greater Anywhere beneath the sun Yet what force on earth is weaker Than the people's strength of one But the union makes us strong Hello, my name is Fortunato Rao Your host of Labor News Radio CHHA 1610 AM Voce Latina one hour with useful information.
0: It is we who plowed the prairies, built the cities where they trade, dug the mines and built the workshops, endless piles of railroad laid. Now we stand outcast, starving it.